This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Tonight, why only pro-Hamas folks want a ceasefire. <laughs> Israeli forces smash into Hamas and suddenly calls cry out for a ceasefire. Will Israel press on against overwhelming pressure to stop? In plain sight. You know where they are right now? Anti-Semitism on full display at home and abroad. As college professors justify Hamas attacks. Man down. This is not my time. More people are excited about Pence dropping out of the presidential race than when he got in it. Is it now Haley versus DeSantis to challenge Trump? <laughs> and no treats for them. A New Jersey school district cancels Halloween this year. I got a chocolate bar. I got a quarter. I got a rock. The new argument against fun of any kind. Then, as of this moment, they're on double secret probation. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight, the growing calls for a ceasefire from the U.N. to Democratic members of Congress. Some call it a ceasefire, others a humanitarian pause. Whatever you want to call it, we told you it would happen. Whole bunch of people, and you saw the protests as well. But let's be clear. Only pro-Hamas folks, Hamas supporters, want a ceasefire right now. And let me explain why. Israel may now have the upper hand in the ground war. At the very least, it is on the attack. We're going to go to the maps now to show you what's going on. Gaza City is, of course, the Hamas stronghold right here. The Israelis have managed to come in, as we predicted, on three fronts. Down here by the sea, through the Erez checkpoint here, and then lastly, they have cut off Hamas north to south there. The Gaza City, which is the stronghold for Hamas, it's still a ways in to Shifa Hospital, which is the Hamas military headquarters. This here is about five miles there. Shifa Hospital is what the Israelis were able to show you. If we click here and get the map to come up, this was where the underground command center for Hamas had been located and still is. If the Israelis want to attack that, they have to come in all the way and get at that on the ground. Uh, Hamas is still using uh, the thousands, if not millions, trapped here in Gaza City as human shields uh, because they are stopping anybody from moving south. The Israelis have been telling them for a couple of weeks to move south. Good news today, Israel rescued a hostage. That happened up and around here. She is with her family now. That wouldn't have been possible without the Israeli ground invasion. There are 238 other hostages. So if there is a ceasefire now, Hamas will use the lull in fighting to regroup and rearm and rebuild its military structure. Hamas will use the lull in bombing to move the 239 hostages, giving up any advantage the Israelis might have had. 
Aid supplies would stream into Gaza. History tells us much, if not all, will be stolen by Hamas. It also shows Iran and the rest of the world they can launch a surprise attack on a sovereign country, kill 1,400 civilians, kidnap another 240. And when Israel begins to defend itself, the world will call for a ceasefire. Of course, domestically in the United States, it just emboldens the pro-Hamas, pro-terror supporters on American college campuses. We're going to get to those words in just a minute. But first, the Israeli prime minister explains his thinking. Just as the United States would not agree to a ceasefire after the bombing of Pearl Harbor or after the terrorist attack of 9-11, Israel will not agree to a cessation of hostilities with Hamas. And why would they agree to a ceasefire? You might remember this video from October 7th. This is who Israel is fighting against. Hamas fighters bringing back a hostage and her mutilated body. Shani Luke was paraded through Gaza in barely her underwear as crowds celebrated. Israel's president said today they have evidence Hamas beheaded her in the hours after the attack. If Israel, of course, agrees to a ceasefire, then Hamas wins. Yet all you hear about in the media today is the suffering of the Gazans, like this question at the White House press briefing. The death toll in Gaza keeps rising. Is the U.S. at any point calling for a humanitarian ceasefire? So as if a ceasefire would suddenly make things all better in Gaza. It would no longer be a humanitarian disaster. That could happen tomorrow by Hamas, not by Israel. The New York Times reports, as Gazans scrounge for food and water, Hamas sits on a rich trove of supplies. Hamas has spent years stockpiling desperately needed fuel, food, and medicine, as well as ammunition and weapons in the miles of tunnels it has carved out under Gaza. So if fuel and food suddenly come across the border, Hamas will steal it just like they did before. Only pro-Hamas people want a ceasefire. Former Supreme Allied Commander General Phil Breedlove is standing by for the military reality, but we learned today Hamas is blowing up hospitals on both sides of this war. Its very own hospital that they blamed on the Israelis and Hamas rockets have hit an Israeli hospital four times. Curiously enough, though, the media has ignored that Hamas war crime. We spent Robert Sherman to investigate. He joins us live from Tel Aviv, which just after one o'clock in the morning. Good evening, Robert. Hey there, Leland. And we were the first journalists inside of this hospital after it sustained its fourth rocket strike in a matter of three weeks. It's the big hospital that is in Ashkelon. And one of those rockets almost took out the OBGYN clinic. Another one, a direct hit on the Children's Center. Of course, hospitals were supposed to be off limits in wartime, which is why there was so much international outrage after Hamas accused Israelis of bombing one in Gaza. Intelligence from the Canadians, the British, the Americans have all determined that was not the case. It was a Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket misfire. But the people at this hospital in Ashkelon are asking one simple question. If the world cares so much about not blowing up hospitals, why does nobody seem to care about them? There is something very, I think, not balanced about the media and uh, regarding Gaza anyway. What is a hospital? If I'll ask you a question, what is a medical center? Is it a place? It's a place where we're supposed to take care of patients. That's the, the only thing we should do here. 
take care of patients, in this case, children. Right. We don't use this place for other things. You don't see a headquarters of the IDF here. So four rockets all striking the same hospital all within three weeks. And people at that hospital acknowledge that they can't possibly know Hamas's intentions. But they do say if it was unintentional, it's quite the coincidence. Leland? Yeah, a four-time coincidence. Uh, Robert, I spent four years in the Middle East. We were taught not to believe in coincidences, something that you were learning during your time there. Keep up the great reporting, my friend. It's, uh, it's long days, long nights. Uh, we're awfully proud of you. Thank you, Leland. One of the, and with that, we bring in General Philip Breedlove. It's good to see you, sir. Thank you. Um, I, do, you know a lot about the rules of war. This is something the U.S. military excels at as well. I'm wondering if you feel as though Hamas and Israel are being held to different standards as we watch the coverage. Well, thanks for having me on again, Leland. It's good to talk to you. I think the points were extremely well made in that previous clip. We see that anything that Israel does receives extreme scrutiny. Um, We uh, seem to forget in public that using uh, innocent people as shields in war is itself a war crime. And this is exactly what Hamas does and how they expect to fight. I thought it was very poignant you pointed out how much Uh, supplies Hamas has stored up. Yet, have you seen any of that distributed to the people? No. Instead, the the pressure is on the West to allow more in. And and I think that Hamas knows they can't win militarily. So their primary purpose now is to separate Israel from those that support it by drawing attention to all of the plight of the people of Gaza and they are responsible for the plight of the people of Gaza. Uh, look, it's tragic, right, for the people who truly are the innocent people in Gaza because Hamas has a vested interest in making their life more miserable. So the international community will point to the plight of the poor Palestinians for which Hamas uh, will not be blamed. Um, it's the worst of, of all situations. Just from a military standpoint, I'm guessing you agree with both the Israeli uh, chief of staff, and then also the prime minister, their assessment and the White House's assessment uh, that a ceasefire only benefits Hamas at this point? Absolutely. Why would you work so hard to gain the ability and the advantage to bring this pressure on the true enemy, which is Hamas and, of course, Iran? And why would you then cease to sacrifice that advantage you have made? I want to play for you, Jake Sullivan, uh, not just about what Hamas is doing to its own people, to Palestinians, but to Americans, Brits, other Westerners who are currently in the Gaza Strip. Take a listen. The Egyptians are prepared to let Americans and other foreign nationals out of Gaza. The Israelis have no issue with that. But Hamas is preventing their departure and making a series of demands. Is there any rescue options for Americans that we don't often talk about caught inside Gaza? Well, Leland, of course, there are options. And this is about great nations like Israel and the United States working together to determine how best to do this. You and I have talked about this before. Israel has very good capabilities at hostage rescue. And so how are two nations 
uh, decide to use their tools to get after Americans, I think, is something that's being discussed behind the scenes. Um, but make no mistake, Israel has great capabilities and the United States has great capabilities. Yeah. I think we're going to see those. This is going to be a long war. Uh, obviously, we're used to wars in the Middle East, the Six-Day War, Yom Kippur, 13 days. Uh, this seems to be uh, likely to go on a lot longer. General, we will certainly be relying on you again. Thank you, sir. It's good to see you. One of the biggest dangers Israelis face in Gaza is the blurred line between innocent Palestinians and Hamas. Uh, they're fighting literally building by building, street by street inside Gaza. And despite what you hear, Gaza is not a few bad actors amid a majority of peace-loving Palestinians. In fact, polling from before the war shows 58% of Palestinians in Gaza support a return to the armed intifada, i.e. terrorism, rockets, killing Israelis. If a new presidential election were held with two candidates in Gaza, Fatah, that's the Palestinian Authority's Mahmoud Abbas, would receive 37% of the vote. Hamas's leader would win in a landslide, 58%. Curiously, that's very different than how President Biden has explained the situation. The vast majority of Palestinians are not Hamas. Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. Hmm. That's very different than 58%. Mark Melman is a Democratic pollster and strategist. He pointed this out in an op-ed in The Hill and joins us now. It's good to see you, sir. I'm, I'm seeing behind you Democratic majority for Israel. I, I'm wondering why there's this distinction being made about what percentage of Palestinians support Hamas? Well, let's let's be clear. Uh, against Abbas, a vast majority support uh, Hamas. If you were to say in the legislative elections, leaving out Abbas, who was extremely unpopular, and just say it's between Hamas and, and Fatah, which is Abbas's party, you get about a third uh, for uh, Hamas, about a third for uh, Fatah, and about a third that say, gosh, I can't vote for either of those two parties. Um, but really, more important than that, the reality is, as you pointed out a moment ago, you do have a majority of Palestinians that favor violence at this moment, that favor armed confrontation. That is a sad commentary. It's an unfortunate commentary, but it is the reality. And if we don't recognize that reality, it's going to be and change it it's going to be impossible to really achieve peace. Yeah, 48% of Americans, 18 to 24, support Hamas in the current war with Israel. Is there a whitewashing going on in America of not this feeling of being pro-Palestinian, but the, that being pro-Palestinian in the way of chanting from the river to the sea and intifada, intifada, that that there's a problem with people who are pro-Hamas. There's a large majority, the large amount of Americans who are just fine with violence against Jews. Well, honestly, I, I don't think it's a majority at all. And I, I don't think it's even a majority of those young people. I think those young people are saying, are, are ignorant, frankly, of, of what's going on. Uh, we've seen in polling, for example, that a majority of these folks think that there was a country called Palestine that existed and which Israel invaded and took over. Completely false, completely ridiculous, no basis in historical fact, whatever. That's what they believe. So they feel sorry for Palestinians. I understand that. Uh, and they see this as a way of they see this, uh, these rallies and so on as a, as a way to uh, communicate their sympathy for the Palestinians. But they're backing the wrong horses. They don't understand that there is Hamas, which is horrific and the Palestinian Authority, which is 
frankly bad, but not nearly as bad as Hamas. And they really don't understand the situation at all. Yeah, you make a great point. Uh, when I, I was waiting for you to say, and there's the Palestinian Authority, which is not much better than Hamas, um, as, we, as we've come to learn um, in so many different ways. Uh, this was a fascinating conversation. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk soon. Coming up next, multiple mass shootings over the weekend, smashing grabs, even deodorants are now under lock and key. Bill O'Reilly has a solution to society's breakdown. It's fairly simple. We'll check in with him in a minute. And a school in New Jersey tells kids to leave the costumes and candy at home. Why would anyone cancel Halloween? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. It's become clear to me, this is not my time. So after much prayer and deliberation, I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. Many Republicans are more excited about Mike Pence getting out of the presidential race than they were when he announced. The excitement is among non-Trump Republicans who need to find one person to take on Donald Trump. In Iowa, at least, it appears to be a two-person race. Haley's up to 16 percent. DeSantis down to 16 percent. And at least so far, everybody else has failed to launch. Mick Mulvaney, News Nation contributor, is with us now. Mick, it's uh, good to see you, sir. Thank you. Uh, is that where it is? Yeah, I think it's that way in Iowa, that way in New Hampshire. I've seen Trump top line numbers leading them to go anywhere from, you know, the mid 40s to the lower 60s. Um, Nikki Haley's had a really good couple of weeks. She's she's moved up to second place in Iowa, maybe second place in New Hampshire. She's got some traction but she's not taking votes away from Donald Trump. She's taking votes away from Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump is actually polling higher now than he was a month ago in Iowa and New Hampshire. So I get all the attention. And I think, again, Nikki's done a nice job. But these are folks who are still fighting over second place. And politics is a, is a business that pays one place. This is not horse racing. It's not win place and show. If you're not first, you're last. So until yeah. you start to see some folks digging into Donald Trump's lead... I'm sure this might be this looks like it might be much ado about nothing. It's a great point. Until we start seeing somebody actually chip away at Donald Trump, it, it may not matter. Look, I, we love having you on the presidential race. You are a founding member of the Freedom Caucus uh, in the House of Representatives. Know the People's House better than most. I wanted to get you on this. Today, uh, the House uh, Republican House now passed a or is going to pass uh, funding for Israel. Um, to try and put uh, President Biden in a pickle, if you will, and separate out Ukraine funding from, from Israel funding. Uh, and they did so by saying, rather than we're going to have new funding for Israel, here it is, it's a clean bill, they're going to then try to take money from the IRS funding of the Inflation Reduction Act, on and on and on. Jared Maskowitz, uh, foreign policy and national security being conducted as a political mailer. You choose the IRS over Israel. I'm not going to take the bait. There are American hostages. This is not a game. I keep coming back to it, Mick. Uh, Republicans seem unable uh, to miss an opportunity and miss an opportunity. 
Uh, I disagree on that with Leland. Look, I think it's right to have a conversation. When the president sent a bill down for $105 billion, he didn't say a single word about how he's going to pay for it. Now, we haven't had that conversation in Washington, D.C. in, it really, in generations. If you're going to spend $100 billion of taxpayer money, might you at least give some suggestions on where you can spend a little bit less to help pay for at least part of that? There's a reason we're dealing with inflation. We've been printing money for the last... 30 years. So no, I don't, I don't think it's wrong for the Republicans to do that. Do I think it, that's going to become law? Do I think that's what, what's going to happen? No, but I do think it's fair to have the conversation. I'm, oh, I, for I one, get, I'm sick of folks yeah. in Washington, D.C. saying we can't afford not to do stuff. That's how you get $33 trillion in debt. Oh, you're right. The, the best time to plant an oak tree was 10 years ago and have those conversations. Maybe the second best time uh, is today. Mick, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, at least 11 people died. And a gun and various gunmen injured nearly 80 in shootings across America over the weekend. Twelve mass shootings happened. Many of the gunmen remain on the loose, but you haven't heard about any of them the way you did the shooting in Manhattan, Maine, because they didn't fit the political narrative. In northeast Indianapolis, 10 people were injured, one killed at what police say was a shooting at a large party. Tampa, two people died. 16 others were injured in a shooting on Sunday from an isolated dispute between two people that escalated, as you can tell, into violence. In Chicago, at least 15 people were injured, two of them critically. In Texarkana, Texas, uh, that's near the Arkansas border, three people were killed, three others injured in a shooting at a party. Gun violence in America is mostly black men shooting other black men. Crime stories, of course, make Americans scared. And when you see teens flipping the camera off after allegedly chasing down and killing a biker, who can blame us all for feeling scared? This video of the Las Vegas teens accused of a fatal bicyclist crashed. Uh, They are here, you can see, smirking in court. They're seen giggling and smirking at the victim's family. Stealing is no longer taboo. You just take what you want. And now, of course, that there's empty shelves and they have the deodorant locked up. No surprise, 67% of Americans say the country is on the wrong track. Only 23% say the right track. Here now, anchor of the No Spin News, author of Killing the Witches, The Horrors of Salem, Bill O'Reilly is with us now. Bill, it's good to see you. Uh, Your column had a prescription for this. Uh, Is it as simple as the Ten Commandments? Well, it's a little bit more uh, complicated than that, but the column's on BillOReilly.com. It's entitled Writing Wrongs. And it's essentially that when I grew up, and, uh, you know, I'm an old guy, there was a right and a wrong in my home, in my school, and in the Levittown neighborhood. Um, You were uh, chastised if you lied, if you stole, if you betrayed a friend. Uh, All of those things, they were considered wrong. And so fewer people did them. Now, uh, you don't have any of that. Unless you're in a traditional home, raised in a traditional home, religious home, uh, right and wrong, a lot of uh, parents just abdicate that. Public school, forget it. Won't get any of that at all. Even though the Ten Commandments hang in the Supreme Court building, uh, I submit to you, Leland, you go out tonight, you ask people with the Ten Commandments, maybe they'll get three out of the ten. Because uh, it's not taught. Nobody knows it. And so uh, most behavior is acceptable behavior now. You can go out and steal whatever you want. Perjury in uh, the justice system. Never prosecuted even when the liar is caught on the stand under oath. What's the sense of taking the oath? 
And so we are a lazy society in this regard. And you can see it extending to the Hamas-Israel demonstrations. So it's obviously Hamas is wrong, but a segment of the world population, the American population, say, no, they're justified. Yeah, they maybe slaughtered babies and, and did all that, but hmm. it's justified because Israel's just as bad. You know, it's the what about, what about, what about? So when you have a collapse of so-called morality, right and wrong, you got a severe problem. You can see it extending all throughout our country, everywhere. All right. Hey, look, you, you got no argument for me. and You lay it out well. We see it on video every day. Um, a complete lack of regard for, for human life. The, inherently, when you think about this, these are sort of conservative values that you're talking about, right? Uh, thou shall not, traditional on and on values. and on. Tra- 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 okay, traditional values. Somebody who ran yes. on that, and I think no this is an important... component. It's an important distinction, though, because you can argue where this breakdown happened. Is politics downstream of culture, culture downstream of politics. And when we were thinking about this segment, we were thinking about the former president, Donald Trump, who loved to talk about traditional values, didn't necessarily follow them. Take a listen. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab him by the <laughs> I can do anything. Or the stormy horse Daniels extortion plot. They're all sick and it's fake news. So where is the market for traditional values if Donald Trump, who's now the leader of whatever you might call what would be considered the traditional value party, says and does things like that? Well, you could put up any politician, 100 percent of them, and uh, say that they had uh, failings because we're all sinners. And, you know, Trump's obviously his failings are uh, illuminated by a media that despises him. Um, I think in the end, uh, when President Biden's failings come to light, as they will, it'll be a tie. (laughs) Okay, so it's foolish to put up one person as the poster boy. I think honest Americans understand if right and wrong is subjective, that means everybody has their own. There's no collective right or wrong. You're not going to have a civil society. You won't. And yeah. that's where we're heading, Leland. Yeah, look, I think it's a great it's a great warning. It's why we try hard on this show to call out to call out both sides evenly. And I know you do as well on on BillOReilly.com. I wanted to get to Kamala Harris. I know it's on the no spin news uh, tonight, which you had talked about. So we'll we'll direct people there. Bill, it's good to see you. Uh, your take. Tell us what you think right. at Leland Vitter or at Bill O'Reilly on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We'll read some of the best responses coming up later in the week. Coming up here, what about the hostages? You've seen the posters ripped down. The woman who created the poster campaign joins us. And we'll introduce you to the Columbia Law School professor and others who justify Hamas's killing as a military action. Uh, No, those are not people late for their flight. That's a massive mob that broke into a riot in Russia when people heard a plane from Tel Aviv would land. The people you see running there wanted to go kill the Jews on board the plane. And you could see them break through much of the airport security. At least one of the planes from Israel was diverted. It's not hard to imagine 
that kind of violence coming to America, especially when you listen to the mobs on our college campuses coast to coast. We don't want Israel to exist. We don't want these Zionist counter-protesters to exist. We don't want Israel to exist. That was an anti-Israel protest at the University of Washington calling for the destruction of Israel and presumably the killing of everybody in it. Hamas supporters, of course, stormed the Cooper Union College in New York, forcing a group of Jewish kids to shelter in the library for 40 minutes before police were able to escort them to safety. Uh, Then there were the threats over the weekend at Cornell. The Jewish center there is still under guard. Posts were made online threatening to shoot and kill Jewish students. Join me now, Anna Tambini. Hamas supporters around the world love tearing down her posters of the hostages in Gaza. She's an Israeli living in San Francisco and head of the Let the World Know campaign that created all of these posters. I'm wondering just specifically about the posters. We'll get to the bigger issues in a minute. But what about saying these people are being held hostage, which is something that is universally viewed as bad, uh, is so offensive to people that they feel the need to tear them down? What, what, what does that say? So... I believe that it's purely anti-Semitic tearing these posters down. And the reason is that, as you can see, these posters aren't political. There is nothing in here. You, can even, you cannot find the Israel flag in here. All you can see is uh, photos of the babies, the families taken as hostages, and their names and the story. So people who feel so comfortable tearing this down, it's only because this is the truth. This is facts. It's not politics. It's not my opinion. This happened. And the only thing that these posters do is to expose those with the, with the vicious uh, moral compass. That's the only, hmm. the only reason. You just said something that I thought was interesting. You said the only way to view it is anti-Semitic. And I, I, I wrestle with that word, um, even as someone who's Jewish, because back in the day in America, people, you know, if you said you didn't like a bagel, people would toss it around as anti-Semitic and that. I'm wondering if this is something, this is a higher bar than just anti-Semitism. This is pro-terrorism. This is, this is Nazism. This is, this is a completely different level of hatred towards Jews. Yes, yes, uh, definitely. We feel like there's been a deterioration uh, of, of anti-Semitism, and, and we can feel it everywhere in the world. So it starts with tearing out our posters down, with uh, violent mobs on Russia who try to lynch uh, Jewish planes who just arrived there. Uh, we can see it in uh, doors ar- across Europe who are being signed with uh, Star David. And there's violence everywhere. And it's all in yeah. the root of it. It's anti-Semitism because uh, it-, it can bring to uh, pro-terror. And it's all in disguise as anti-Semitism. There's no other word for it. Yeah, I, I-, I hear you. Um, I, I want to play for you uh, some video out of New York um, where there was a man ripping your posters down and then somebody else, uh, not a Jewish person uh, or people, confronting him. Take a listen. Then don't rip that no, down. Rip you are down. doing something. You're offending us. Yeah, you are. When you throw that on the floor, no, you're littering the I city. Did, in a minute, I'm going to litter the f-ing floor with you. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of love that. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Uh, this you, is you, this is the way things should go. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, look, you know, the, the only thing you need for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. And when good people stand up, um, evil walks away mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes. Uh, you're in college, as I understand it, over here. And um, I want to understand this. Uh, what So much of what we're seeing is coming from college campuses. And you saw a letter from a Columbia University professor, uh, who dozens of professors signed uh, on to this, uh, talking about how the events of October 7th, uh, Hamas's attack, was a quote-unquote military action. Uh, there were other offensive things um, in the letter as well. You can see the uh, Professor Frankie up there. Why do you think on America's college campuses with young Americans, um, this is so prevalent uh, versus older Americans who still have an enormous amount of support uh, for Israel and against Hamas? So you're really asking me something that I cannot answer about, really, because, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm an Israeli. This is something that the American citizens should uh, give their voice. What is happening here? What is happening in, in America? Um, I wish I had an answer to that, really. Hmm. You know, that may be the most honest answer I have ever gotten in two and a half years of doing this program. Um, it, says an, it, says an awful, it says an awful lot, Anna. Thank you very much, and thank you for what you're doing. Um, you're right. Those, those posters thank aren't you. political. They just, they just remind us uh, of, of the people who are indeed trapped. Those are just trapped. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, and they're, and they're, they're the ones suffering the most in Gaza right now. Uh, by far suffering the most. Anna, thank you very much. Coming up, Halloween is tomorrow, except for some kids in New Jersey. We'll tell you why their school has canceled all tricks, all treats, all fun of any kind. The justification when we come back. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. So the story is a little traumatizing for me. It brings up some difficult times from my childhood of parents telling you that if you didn't behave, you were going to go home. Well, if you go to the Toco restaurant in Georgia, you could get charged a bad parenting fee. It's quite a fee. One dad said the owner added an extra $50 to the bill for his kids' bad behavior. We wonder if the kids then had to pay the parents. And the Georgia restaurant bill, as you can see, has gone, quote, unquote, viral. Cuomo's here. Uh, I guess you were told that. Were you told that a lot as a kid, too? I never got told anything a lot as a kid. My mother has a great line uh, at 90 blank years old where she will say, hey, listen, I told you everything twice. I told you once with my mouth and the second time with my hand. Sign language. (laughs) Um, So I never got told anything a lot. I like the idea of a uh, a private business uh, making its own rules of conduct. 50 bucks on a $35 bill seems a little steep uh, to me. But yeah, I like, the, fair, I like but, the concept. All right, you like the concept, though, of its private businesses. And this brings up an interesting question. We had O'Reilly on earlier tonight, and he was talking about the breakdown of, of what's right and wrong in America, just sort of traditional values in America, like, you know, 
don't hurt other people, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. We watch all this video of all these kids uh, knocking over 7-Elevens, carjacking people, robbing people, on and on and on, taking over the Apple store, whatever it is. What about holding their parents responsible? Where is it where is it that at 11, 12, 13 years old, their parents don't teach them once with their mouth and the other time with their hand? Listen, I, I hear it. I hear the frustration. Um, Bill is much more uh, comfortable telling people what's right and wrong uh, than I am, although I think he should pay a fee whenever he goes to a restaurant uh, for being Bill O'Reilly. There should be a fee just for how he makes the other people there uh, lose their appetite. But oh boy. Um, I do. Th- I think it gets a little tricky uh, as the kids get older. You got less and less control. Uh, certainly when they're younger kids, there are a lot of civil statutes in states about holding them. I, I really believe here's where I come down on it. As a constantly failing parent myself, uh, thank mm-hmm. God my, my kids are nowhere near you know, the store looting that we were just seeing. But here's what I know. Um, focus on making better people. Focus on doing your job. Uh, that's enough. Judging how other people are raising their kids and all that stuff. I stay away from it. It can be frustrating. I don't like, I've seen it in my own schools, where somebody's bullying, and all of a sudden, a parent steps up and says, not my kid, and the school gets scared. And that bothers me. I think there should be more accountability across the board. But for me, I stick to my own knitting. Uh, I got plenty of work to do. I I have a theory about this, that your kids are paying you back for your parents, right? They're honoring their grandparents in that way. But... You know, this this new polling that you and I have both been talking about, 50% of kids 18 to 24 support Hamas um, against Israel. I'm wondering how much of that starts at home, because those 18-year-olds, 24-year-olds were at home just five years ago. I don't know where it is, but, you know, I've said this to you before. Um, you know, we got a kid at Cornell. Uh, I've never seen anything like this before in yeah. terms of it not making sense. Um And I'm not talking about Palestinian suffrage and worrying about the people who are dying needlessly and suffering in Gaza. I totally get that legitimate concern. Uh, But conflating that with not caring about what Hamas did or justifying it or forgetting that they're a terror organization and making it sound like they're just the political party in Palestine is just uh, crazy to me. I really don't get it. I get standing with Palestine. I get it. But oh too many people are we, going we, much further. We're, 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 scheduling, we're scheduling a segment to discuss, to discuss this tomorrow. We will, we will keep, keep it up. I know you got Alan Dershowitz uh, later on this. It's going to be really interesting. See you soon, Chris. Thanks. Uh, speaking of the people. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of the people of Palestine, gays for Gaza. Yeah. Do these people know who they are supporting? Or what happens to gays in Gaza? We'll show you coming up. Kids in New Jersey might enjoy getting rocks this year, kind of like Charlie Brown did. Rocks could be an improvement. The school district outside Newark canceled Halloween in the name of diversity, equity, and inclusion. There will be no costumes, no candy, no fun of any kind. The statement said, as you know, the school district is committed to promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion meaningfully 
not just saying the words, but promoting an inclusive school. Our aim is to build a consistent approach across the district as to how our schools observe and celebrate holidays and special events. Carrie Sheffield is here, senior policy analyst at the Independent Women's Voice. Um, we tried to bring book Dean Wormer for this, you know, no fun of any kind is a lot. <laughs> what I thought was interesting about this is Halloween would be by and large the one holiday that everybody and all kids could enjoy. It should be. And I will say this story was bipartisan because you did see the governor of New Jersey, who I yeah. don't agree with on pretty much anything else, who's a Democrat, strong Democrat, Phil Murphy. He tweeted out and said to the school district, what are you doing? Like, let the kids be kids. Like, let them have a little fun. And Leland, I brought you some candy. Thank I brought you, you some... You deserve treats, not tricks. What the school district is doing is they're, they're pulling tricks on their kids. And I didn't buy this for a second when they say it's all about diversity, equity, and inclusion because they said some children who are poor can't afford costumes. Well, I got news. I don't think they spoke to a single child about this. What they said was we surveyed the principals when we made this decision. Look, children, especially poor children, I grew up on welfare. I grew up in a motorhome largely. We loved Halloween. It was the one thing we could do to make us actually feel normal and to be and to have your imagination go, go wild. I mean, that's what Halloween's for. And, and here's the other thing is, if, if, if you don't celebrate Halloween, and some, some families don't, I, I acknowledge that, I respect their beliefs, why not teach them a lesson in pluralism and tolerance that in America, some things are not for you and some things are, and we can all get together and respect different beliefs. Yeah, you've said a lot in this, uh, and there's a lot to explore. I think what's most interesting was you said about we're not letting kids be kids anymore. And post-COVID, it seems as though that there is a an, an absolute refusal to allow kids to have fun of any kind. Mm-hmm. And the danger of that, and in, in the end, it's the kids who get hurt, um, the poor kids who get hurt the worst, right? Because they're the ones who rely on school to have that. Um, I asked you in the break where you were from because you brought us Reese's. <laughs> Which is your favorite candy? We have a map of the most popular candy. Halloween candy uh, based on the state you live in. Uh, there it is. Did you spend a lot of time in the Midwest, the South? I'm Missouri. That's where my parents live now. So this makes sense. Reasons. Okay, there we go. Where are you from? I- I'm originally from St. Louis, from Missouri, uh, although I'm and spent a lot of time in Michigan. I am not a Reese's fan. It's just not. Leland, no. I'm- no. What is your favorite candy? Everyone's going to want to know. Milk Duds, Snickers. We can, there's lots, but not, not Reese's. But I, I will say this. You are now by far the most popular <laughs> guest um, to have come. And thankfully, you didn't come in costume, which we were worried about as well. This was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Thanks, and you Leland. made this, is, this was interesting. There's Happy a Halloween, to talk about this. Leland. Can I and, say that? Yeah, there you go. You, uh, we celebrate everything here. Wonderful. All right. Uh, changing gears a little bit. And this is important to note. During the pro-Hamas protest this weekend, We noticed an odd flag showing up. It is the rainbow pride flag made to look like the Palestinian flag. Banners all over and in many of these marches said gays for Gaza. And some of the video you can decide for yourself is slightly odd, but we wondered if the people who were celebrating gays for Gaza might want to learn what happens to gays in Gaza. Hamas throws them off buildings or drags them behind motorcycles, as you can see in this picture. We have blurred the body of a young gay man who is being dragged through the streets of Gaza. Uh, And it's not just Gaza. In the West Bank, a group beheaded this man, Ahmed Abu Makhoumin, who's a 25-year-old gay man. Odd that the gays for Gaza group didn't march then. Nobody seemed to care much. Iran hangs gays systematically. 
Imams both in the West Bank and Gaza and on Arabic TV channels calls for the murder of gays daily. The irony of, of course, pretty rich, right? Hamas and the Palestinians look at gays and Jews about the same. They want to do the same to them that the Nazis did. They talk about them the same way. Yet some in the gay community in America are so blinded by their hatred for Jews, they side with the Palestinians who want to kill both gays and Jews. Speaking of hatreds for Jews, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is now finding anti-Semitism problematic. 